This Rarecast is made possible by Global Genes, a leading education and advocacy organization that serves and promotes the needs of patients and families touched by rare and genetic disease. Since 2009, Global Genes has been building awareness, developing patient-focused education and advocacy tools, and funding patient care programs and critical research. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Tiburio Therapeutics emerged from the orphan drug accelerator Cydan at the start of 2019. The company is developing two late-stage clinical compounds for rare endocrine disorders that it licensed from Ibsen. We spoke to Tiburio Therapeutics CEO Abraham Cisse about rare endocrine disorders, the company's pipeline, and the case for Cydan's business model. Abe, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks a lot, Danny. I appreciate uh, you making the time. Excited about the conversation. We're going to talk about Taborio Therapeutics, rare endocrine disease, and the drugs you're working to develop to address these conditions. Let's start with NFPA, which is a condition you're targeting with your lead experimental therapy. What is NFPA? How is it diagnosed? And how does it progress? Yes, uh, NFPA, uh, also known as non-functioning uh, pituitary adenomas, um, are n- non-metastatic tumors uh, that actually grow around um, and in the pitu- pituitary gland uh, located in the brain. Um, it's a very uh, interesting d- disease in the fact that they are called non-functioning, meaning many patients uh, really don't experience any symptoms um, until uh, there's a significant need to treat these tumors. Um, so these tumors aren't excreting any hormones, so there's really no hormonal changes that these patients uh, um, uh, experience. But what actually ends up happening with many of these patients is they start to have uh, severe headaches, uh, given where the pituitary gland is located um, in the brain, uh, these tumors can actually start to grow and encroach in the optic chasm, which can actually cause vision loss for these patients. So these patients often present clinically uh, with severe headaches, uh, some experience vision loss, and then they have a brain scan or an MRI, and they see that these patients um, actually have these non-functioning uh, adenomas. Uh, so the current uh, treatment options for these patients are a pretty aggressive and invasive surgery, which is called transphenoidal surgery, which is a, a neurosurgery. These patients have to go under general anesthesia. Uh, the surgery is done through the nasal cavity, um, and it is a full-out neurosurgery where these patients then have to have their tumor removed. The challenge in this condition um, is after that surgery, uh, what the data will tell you is about 40 to 50% of these patients have uh, remnants left of their tumor. And those uh, 
those patients are at risk to see those tumors grow um, over the regrow over the course of their lifetime, which could cause the need for another surgery and or radiation. Your lead experimental therapy is TBR seven sixty. What is TBR seven sixty, and how does it work? Sure. So TBR seven sixty is a dopamine somatostatin uh, chimeric molecule. Uh, so basically, uh, and it's it, it will be delivered sub through a subcutaneous injection. Uh, so what we see um, in these uh, NFPA um, or these adenomas is that um, these adenomas basically express both dopamine, uh, have high expression of both dopamine as well as somatostatin. So uh, what we've been able to see with TBR760 um, is that it inhibits uh, cell proliferation in, in these tumors. Um, and our hopes um, and the promise of TBR760 is that it will either halt tumor growth or shrink tumor growth that will alleviate patients' need uh, for a transphenoidal surgery. And what's the potential size of the patient population, given that there's a need not only just for treating these cases, but treating people who may face recurrence? Yeah, so you really need to think about the patient population um, in really two buckets. You know, first is, you know, what we would call the incident patient population. Um, and this is an orphan condition or a rare disease. Uh, so about 5,000 patients on an annual basis um, are diagnosed with NFPA um, that require transphenoidal surgery. So that's really the first patient population uh, that we would be looking at. Um, and based on what we see in our development program, you know, this could be a, a potential treatment for the patients prior to transphenoidal surgery to avoid it altogether or post-transphenoidal surgery to, again, uh, be able to uh, potentially alleviate the need for an additional surgery or keep those remnants at bay. Uh, the other patient population is roughly about 50,000 patients uh, that are prevalent patients living with NFPTA, NFPA today. You know, those patients uh, have been diagnosed. They have undergone transphenoidal surgery. Uh, but what we do know about those patients is that many of them have remnants uh, that may require uh, additional surgery in the future and could be great candidates uh, for TBR760 uh, to for the potential to really keep that tumor at bay and stop uh, con uh, future growth of the tumor. Uh, where are you in terms of development and what's the path forward to market? Sure. So these are truly clinical stage assets, um, and it's a great way to be able to uh, start a company. Uh, so where we are right now is doing what we would consider phase two enabling studies. Uh, we're continuing to work on the formulation of the drug and we're targeting uh, to start our phase two trial in the second half of 2019. You also have a, a second experimental therapy in development, TBR065. What is this? What's it being developed to treat? TBR065 is, again, a, a dopamine somatostatin chimeric molecule. Um, it has some different properties of TBR760. Uh, we're very excited um, about the potential for 065 um, in, in several uh, rare endocrine conditions. 
where we are right now with 065 is, you know, we really need to assess this a little further and understand what is the best condition for us to really approach. Uh, so we just have a little bit more work to do there uh, to understand, as I said, you know, what is that best indication or target indication for 065. Oh, we should take a step back. Tamurio just launched it, grew out of the orphan drug accelerator Sidan. The, the two drugs you're developing were licensed from Ibsen. What was the thinking in licensing these two potential drugs and establishing a, a company around them? Yes, I, I have to give a lot of uh, credits uh, to the Sidon team, and I think the formation of Tiberio um, is really uh, indicative of the value uh, that an organization like Sidon uh, can bring to orphan drug uh, development. So Sidon, um, as you said, is an orphan drug accelerator. Um, there's a, gr- uh, a group and a team of you know seasoned uh, drug hunters uh, that are a part of Sidon. Uh, that really understand what it takes uh, to identify uh, unmet needs, but also to be able to identify orphan drug candidates to meet those unmet needs. So uh, just through their work, uh, they were able to identify some of the work uh, that Ibsen had done historically uh, with both TBR-760 as well as 065. Uh, Ibsen you know, has had a, had a shift in strategic focus, uh, they uh, stopped development around 760 specifically uh, due to its lack of effectiveness in acromegaly. And the team at Sidon really identified this as an opportunity to be able to take 760 in a different direction. Uh, so when you think about not only the efforts that Sidon has done, but also when you think about the, all of the work that Ibsen has done historically around both of these compounds, it's a great opportunity for us at Tiberio uh, given the extensive uh, phase one work that, that that Ibsen has already completed and we're able to leverage as we think about taking these compounds into clinical uh, phase or phase two phase two trials. And what what attracted you to the company? Two things really attracted me to the company. Uh, first, you know, is is the unmet need. You know, I spent a significant amount of my time in my early career at Genzyme, almost a decade. Uh, I had the opportunity to operate uh, at Genzyme as we were really kind of forging our way um, and the industry's way into rare and orphan conditions and really grew an appreciation, you know, for what it means to truly develop a drug for an orphan condition. Um, So when I saw the science around these two compounds and the story around NFPA specifically, you know, it was a real opportunity to lead a company um, and really take a, take a product through development that we feel is going to really help patients in a very meaningful way. Uh, the second piece of this is, you know, thinking about starting, um, you know, companies uh, in our space. Um, it's always great to start a company not only with one uh, asset that has a lot of potential, but also a second asset. Uh, so the fact that we truly do have an endocrine company here uh, with multiple assets and the ability to build um, out a company that's really focused in an area that we believe we can bring a lot of innovation to and solve a lot of problems. And then I would say the last piece is the investors. Um, you know, we, we are backed by a phenomenal group of investors uh, that truly understand what it takes uh, to get a, co- a, a company and assets through the development phase, 
uh, and we have an opportunity uh, to continue to be uh, very thoughtful about what direction this company takes, given the type of investors that we have. Is the expectation that these two compounds will be the only one the company pursues, or is there a plan to build a pipeline behind them? Our focus right now is getting 760 into the clinic. That That is our, the sole focus of our company, and that will truly be the sole focus of the proceeds that we have through our Series A. You know, given our execution there, we will be opportunistic uh, about about the endocrine space and about, you know, other opportunities for the company. Uh, but that's really in the future, and there's a lot of thinking that needs to go into that. But our sole focus right now is really getting 760 in the clinic and then figuring out uh, with 065, you know, what is that indication that we would like to pursue. So no doubt a premature question, but is there a thought of building a commercial organization for these compounds or is the idea you would take them to a point where you could license and sell them? Yeah, a little early for, for that thinking at this point. Um, you know, one of the values of thinking about this space um, in, in orphan conditions is that your ability to scale a commercial organization and an operational organization is pretty darn efficient, specifically in the rare endocrine space. So that's something that, you know, if we get to that point, we will strongly consider, but as I said, our, our, our first focus is really executing these clinical programs to the best of our ability. There's a great need to find ways to accelerate drug development and do so in a cost-efficient manner. What's the case for the approach Sidan is pursuing, and does Taburio represent a, a potential path forward, particularly in the rare disease space? I think now, you know, with Sidon now showing that they, their model works, you know, three times over, um, you know, we are the third company uh, that has been launched out of the Sidon model. Um, I think there is a growing appreciation uh, for how the Sidon model works and the opportunity to be able to identify orphan drugs um, and then be able to build teams around uh, those assets, whether it's a single asset or multiple assets that we have at Tiberio, and then do that in a very efficient manner. So I do think that there's a real strong appreciation uh, for what Sidon has been able to do. Um, and I think, you know, it, it, I, I anticipate, you know, at getting to know the Sidon team that we're going to see many, many other companies uh, be formed out of efforts such as Sidon's. Abe Cisse, CEO of Tiberio Therapeutics. Abe, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Pleasure meeting you. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.